It's funny because I actually had a couple conversations this week with people not in the church that had no idea what we were talking about, and we got on this subject of insecurity. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're, if, if, if you're breathing, hopefully everyone is, you have moments of insecurity. It, it happens. You know, for me as a pastor, I have a lot of moments of insecurity. Did I do that right? Did I handle that situation right? Am I, am I actually qualified to deal with that? In, in, in areas where I am in leadership, it always look at me and I always see, and I don't know why we do this, but we're so critical of ourselves. If you were to look at, if we took a group picture, let's say we just took a big selfie, which, you know, we just took it, and then I sent it to all of you, the first person in there you would look for is you. And you would probably say something like, what kind of smile is that? I mean, we're so critical of ourselves. We really are. And when we were talking last week, and we're going to review a little bit, and then we'll finish, this is what I'm realizing is there is something that's very freeing about acknowledging that we have insecurities that we got to deal with. Because if you can't acknowledge it, you can't deal with it. If you can't be real about your own areas of weakness, you're not going to be able to overcome it because you just keep wanting to put it aside. And what happens even in ministry and what happens in our lives is we feel like we have to be strong. See, I was taught in Bible college, and, and one of the things that was, well, it wasn't said exactly this way, but it made us feel like as pastors we have to be on our game. Like we have to, you know, you mean, they're following you. You got you to gotta know. You just got to be the man or the woman. And you have to just, you know, they're leading you. You can't show a whole lot of weakness. And you know what? And I think some of it was my own upbringing and some of my own things. That I just felt like I had to have it all together. But I spent years in ministry on the outside looking like I was just brilliant. Because that's all I would show. The little parts that I knew what I was doing is what I focused on. What people didn't see is me going home thinking, what am I doing? Am I making a difference? I mean, is this really working? I mean, people see this, but the real me is I gag before every time I speak. I have to chew gum because I'm like, oh, I'm so nervous. Like, God, why me? I didn't want, I didn't, growing up, I wanted to be in the FBI. I didn't want to do this. And then when God called me, he changed my heart. And now I want to do it, but I still feel unqualified at times. So growing, so growing up in ministry, there was times where I was just really nervous. But I always felt like I couldn't, I couldn't show that. And I couldn't let people know, like, you know, sometimes I struggle too. And you know what I found recently? Is when I talk to pastors, and I say, man, the other day I had one of those moments, I was just really insecure. And they were like, Really? And then there's connection. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not just out there saying, we're horrible. What are we doing? It's not that. It's just that real part of you want to please God so bad, and you want to do what he wants you to do, but there's times where you have to look and say, but God, isn't there someone, do you really want to use me? What about this and what about this? And we have our struggles sometimes, and if we don't deal with it and talk about it, then we can't really overcome it. And the reason why it's, it's, it's easy for me to talk about now is because I've over, I'm overcoming it. I don't, I don't back down from being a pastor. I am more confident in what God has called me to do than I've ever been. 
I, I, I talk with our staff about things, and I'm pushing them stronger than I've ever pushed them. I'm being pushed stronger than I've been pushed before. Why? Because I'm just I'm, I'm embracing what God is calling me to do, knowing that I don't have to have it all together. Remember that one time when I said, listen, let's go out in the world. Let's just be weak. Instead of go out and be strong, be weak. Why? Because in, his, in our weakness, his strength is perfect. So Paul boasted about weakness. Why can't we boast when we miss something or if we don't know? Because we have the one who knows. So we talked about Moses last week, and we're going to re-hit this, um, and then we'll finish it because we didn't finish last week. But in Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to start with verse 1, read through verse 17. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of of Midian. He left the flock far in the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. And then he says this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, and look at, listen to what this is, what it says. Yes, I am aware. I am aware. So here's the thing. Let me just say this real quick. God is aware of his people. He is aware of things people are going through. He's aware. And he says to Moses here, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey and the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has, has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. Now go, he's telling Moses, now go. I am sending you, that's what he says, go, I am sending you, Moses, to lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And here's Moses' response. Moses protested to God. Think about a protest. When you, when you see people out, you know, protesting, it means they're against something. They're standing against something. They're protesting. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. That's the protest. Moses is saying, no, God, no, 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 I'm not the one. No. So he's protesting to God. Here's what he says. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead people out of Egypt? This is Moses' first place of insecurity that he talks to God about. He says, who am I? Like, you got the wrong person. Who am I to lead them out? And listen to God's answer. Because God, every time he, he protested, God answers. And God said this, I will be with you. That's how he answered him. And then he goes on to talk about the sign that, that, that he's the one. He said, I, there will be a, this will be your sign. I am the one who sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So he's saying, look, the problem is you're asking the wrong question. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. As God, I'm, gonna be, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, when you, especially when you have little kids and they're afraid, like especially when your kids go to kindergarten, that first day most schools will let mom or dad go with their kid to the classroom that first day. And they're, they're nervous and they're afraid. 
And, but you know what? They, they, they go because mom and dad's going with them. There's places my kids wouldn't go on their own, but if I go with them, they'll go. And, and so Moses is saying, who am I? And God's saying, listen, it's, that's not, it's not about who you are. It's about I'm with you because here's the thing. The Bible says it's God who works in us and through us. So if it's God working in us and God working through us, it's not about us. And Moses was wrestling with who he was. Was he worthy enough? Was he able to do it? And God's saying, I got you. I'm with you. And I know I said this before, but we got to get it. No one praises a hose. When you have water that comes out of the hose and you get that nourishing water, you don't go hugging on that hose. That hose is just where it's coming. It's just coming through the hose. The source of it isn't the hose. It's coming through of it. If you have an extension cord, the source of power, the extension cord's plugged into, it flows to whatever needs power. You plug it in. And listen, no one's like, what a great extension cord. No, it's just a conduit for the electricity to run through. For us, we're connected to God. God's power, his Holy Spirit works in us and works through us. So it's not really about us. So when God called me, and I had been a youth pastor for 15 years, I was very comfortable with teenagers, very comfortable in that place. I never wanted to be a lead pastor. I wasn't, it wasn't a stepping stone for me, like I'll do youth for a while and then I'll move up to, I never wanted to leave youth ministry. I wanted to go in youth ministry even when I'm, however old I get to, I still wanted to be in youth ministry. And when God began to change and lead me to plant a church and be a lead pastor, I was like, God, I, I don't even know if I would go to my church. Like, why me? I'm a youth pastor. I, I joke around too much. I'm not super organized. You know, some people think I should be medicated anyway. And I, I just like, why me? I don't even know how to plant a church. And I don't want to sit through a long conference on it. Like, wh- like what do I, like, why? But you know what? God was so gracious. Do you know the scripture God gave me for this church, to plant the church? It changed how we did it, and everybody was puzzled. Like, why would you plant a church that way? Because I was reading in Matthew 16, and here's what stood out to me. God asked Peter and them, who do people say that I am? And they're like, some say, you know, the prophets and all this stuff. And, but, but he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're Christ the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, you know, that revelation came from God. And he told Peter, your name means rock. And then he makes this statement. Upon this rock, and then these five words, I will build my church. When I read that, it was literally, it didn't happen like in the natural, but it was literally, those five words were almost all that was on the page for me. And I remember the Lord showing me, who is I on that, in that? And I was, I guess, referring to Jesus. Who is my referring to? Jesus. So, Scott, nowhere am I asking you to build my church, and nowhere am I asking to build your church, and nowhere am I telling you to build your church. I'm telling you, just can I use you? Because I want to build my church. Do you know how much pressure that took off me? To thank God, you mean really? I just got to like stay in there, and you'll just tell me what to say, and then you'll just do it, and if they're mad, they get mad at you? And he's like, yeah, it's on me. And I told people that this church fails. If I'm obedient, this church goes down. That's on God. He's building it. As long as I let him build it. But he, it won't fail if he builds it. Because that's the only church anywhere that says the gates of hell won't prevail against it. 
So it's been such, so here's what we did. I didn't promote it. I didn't invite people. I didn't do it. I didn't have a team. I was like, okay, when did we start? And then we started. And guess what? The first service, people were there. I was like, oh. <laughs> wow. People called us about, hey, what are y'all doing? Well, we're getting ready to start a church. We're coming. I was like, how did you, what made you call? The Lord led us to call you. Man, he's good. He's good. People, it was crazy. You should hear some of the stories how people found Thrive. They were driving to go to another church down the street. And they were like, you know what? I feel like we should go there. And they pull in. And they're like, we knew it. Like, this is our home. That's happened. Because you know what? I'm getting past my own insecurities and my own lack and my own not understanding everything. You know, I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. But I'm still not there. I'm not arrived. I've left, but I'm not arrived. So I'm different. But at the same time, there's still so much more for me to learn and to grow in. But guess what? God doesn't need me to be perfect to use me. He just needs me to be willing, be obedient. So Moses' first question, uh, God answered and said, listen, I'll be with you. And we looked at the scripture, Isaiah 26.3 says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind's fixed on me. If you're looking at you in every situation, you're going to be all over the place. If you just focus on God, he's with you, you'll be at peace. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Just stop. Sometimes you just got to stop and think, wait a minute, why am I getting so worked up? Why am I so concerned? I just need to stop because it's in the quiet and the stillness that you hear God. When did Samuel hear God? When he was asleep, when he was resting, when he was quiet. Sometimes I think God's trying to speak to us and we got too much stuff. We're panicking, asking everybody, going everywhere. Sometimes we just got to stop and that's when God talks to us. And he says, hey. And he calls us. And the good part about that story is he didn't stop calling Samuel until Samuel realized it was him. Samuel didn't get it the first time, so he called him again. And he called him again. We won't miss God. Listen, God will keep calling to until we get it because he wants to talk to you. He wants you to know he's got you, and he'll take care of you. Let's go to the second, the second question there. Moses protests again in verse 13. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? So then what do I tell them? What do I tell them? So he's saying now, God, listen, I need some backing. Okay, if I'm going to go talk to them, I need, you gotta ba- I need some backing. I can't just say, hey, you know, I think I need to tell you all something. He's like, no, who, who sent you here? Who sent you? And here's God's reply. God replies to Moses after he says, what's your name? He says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. So here's God's reply saying, listen, you tell them that God, Yahweh, the God of Jacob, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent them. And, it, and when he's asked his name, he says, I am who I am. You know what I love about that statement? Is you can't compare God to anyone. He's uncomparable. He's like, I am who I am. That's it. Not I am, I am close. You know, I'm like this. Or I'm kind of like him, but a better. I'm just, no, he's like, I am who I am. There is no one else like I am. None. So you can't even compare God to any, any other God or any other anything. Because he's God. Always has been. Always will be. The only God. And so when he says, I am, he's like, that's who, I got your back. I, I am is with you. And that's who's backing you. And it's the same thing that we have to remember. 
We have to remember, God is the one who's going to do the work in us. And God is the one who's going to do the work through us. We just have to trust that he's God. Look at John 5, verse 26. The Father has life in himself. See, the Father, he's the the author of life. He has it in himself. He's not like he has access to life or he is life. In him is life. That's it. And he's he has granted that same life, giving power to his son, but he is, there's no comparison who he is. He is the one who has life within himself. He, he's always been. That's the God that we serve. And I love this passage uh, in Isaiah 40, verse 28. It says, have you not heard, have you not understood the Lord is an everlasting God? That's who he is. He's an everlasting God. He lasts forever. The creator of all the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. This is the God that has our back. This is the God who has our back, the God who never grows weak, never grows weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He is beyond what you can fathom in your mind. God is bigger. You think of how big God is. He's bigger than that. That's what he says in Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. So he's saying whatever you could ask or even think, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all of that. And you think about it, I can really think of some amazing things. You can't even touch what God's capable of, even in your own mind. And I am who I am. That's who's got us. John 1, verse 19 and 20. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leader sent priests to the temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? I love John's response. This is what he says. They said, who are you? And his first three words are what? I am not. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm John, he's like, I am not Messiah. So if Jesus is saying, God is saying, I am, we should be saying, I am not. If we were to have name tags today, I would just put, I am not on your name tag. That's it. That's who you are. You are not the one that has to have it all together. You are not the one that has to know how to do everything. You are not the one that has to figure out how to get peace. You are not the one that is all-knowing. You are not the one that has to find wisdom on your own. You are not that one. I am is the one who says, I am, I am your hope. I am your peace. I am the one who will give you wisdom. I am the one who will provide for you. I am the one who will take care of you. I am your ever-present help in time of trouble. I am your God. I am flawless. I am faithful. I am true. I am life. I am, I mean, he's everything. You get it? He is. You're not. So don't be insecure about you. Listen, God already knew. He already knew. He he didn't base what he was going to do in your life on your talent. He based on what he can do in you and through you. So God's got your back. You good? All right. Let's go to verse chapter 4. Okay, God tells him, you know, I'm going to be with you and and goes through all who he is and all the things that are going to happen. In chapter 4, we're moving along here. Verse 1, Moses protests again. This is the third time. So Moses, see, and I looked at this before like, Moses, come on, man, get a grip. How many times are you going to argue? God showed up in a burning bush, and it wasn't on fire. It didn't burn. It's engulfed in flames, and it's not burning. God told you, go. And you're like, well, I don't know. And then he tells you, I'll be with you. Yeah, but what if that, you know, what's your name? Okay, all right, I am who I am. I got you. Okay, but, and he's protesting again. And here's what he says. What if they won't believe me 
And what if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? So then the Lord asked them, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. And it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out, grab its tail. See, that's, you got to hear from God to do that. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. When he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put it back in, and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by this first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some of the water from the Nile River, pour it down on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. So here's, here's this whole thing that, Mo, that God is saying, look, I'll prove to you. I will show you. Now, go, if we, we didn't read it, but if you go back to chapter 3 and you look at verse 18, verse 18 in chapter 3 when Moses was just told to go talk to them and what he wants to do, and he's coming up with all these reasons why he can't, it says, God says to him, the elders of Israel will accept your message. So in chapter 4, Moses is saying, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't, understand? What if they don't accept the fact? What if they question this? And God said earlier, listen, that the, the elders there, they're going to accept your message. So there's something in this that I think for us, we have to be reminded in our stuff, when we struggle, we have to go back to, what does the Lord say? What does God say? When you struggle, man, are we going to make it? What did the Lord say? What does God say about your provision? Who is your provider? God is. If, 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 you, if you have things, you know what, and you're feeling like, you know what, I'm just alone in this. Like, no one gets it. No one understands. I'm all by myself. I have to walk this journey all by myself. What does the Bible say? The Holy Spirit is with you. And he will never, ever leave you and never forsake you. So if you want to be reminded to encourage yourself that you're not alone, go back to what God said. You got Sometimes I, I have to do that. There are certain times in ministry where I have to remind myself, God, you did this. You called me. And I'll tell you this, the really fast version, I got called in ministry at Camp Courtney when I was 15 years old. I knew God had called me. I still had thoughts of being the baddest FBI dude ever. But I knew God called me, and it changed me. And I'll never forget when God called me to plant a church. 30, well, not 30, 20-something years later. I've been in ministry, I've been doing youth ministry, and then this new season was coming. And I wrestled. I wrestled. And I read a scripture in John where they were, uh, they were coming against Jesus, and they were going to stone Jesus because they said he was blaspheming because he was saying he was the son of God. And it says Jesus got away and went, to the, went over by the Jordan River. So here they are challenging that he's the son of God. And where does he go? He goes to the Jordan River where he was told and reminded when he was baptized, this is my beloved son. 
So whether he went there, he went over by there. To me, there had to be some reminder of God. It was right here. I know I'm your son, but I remember specifically you telling me I am your beloved son. So you know what I did at, before we started this church, which was, we've been going almost eight years now. So about eight and a half years ago, I was at Camp Courtney, and I got a key to the tabernacle. If you've ever been in the tabernacle, you know it's dirty. It's a camp place. Dirt on the floor, chairs that have been there since I was there. Just spider webs, bugs. It's outdoors. There's screens around some of it, but it's, it's nothing fancy. And no one was there. It hadn't been used in years. Chairs are stacked. And I got a key because I knew the camp director. I got a key and I went in. And just me and Jesus. And I went and stood where I stood as a 15-year-old boy. I said, God, it was right here that you said I could do it and that you would use me. And it scared me then and it's scaring me again. But if you promise and if you're going to be faithful, I'm in. And guess what? There was nobody around. And you think it's hard to do when there's people around? It's actually harder when you're by yourself thinking, this is the stupidest thing ever. Like, there's not even people here. And I walk down, and I go to the altar, and I kneel down, and I say, God, once again, it's a yes for me. And guess what? I left that place so pumped up because I went back to the place. You may not always get to that physical place, but I went back to that place that I know God called me. So every moment of insecurity that arises in me, I say, but God, guess what? You said it. You called me. And if you called me, then you will use me. And you will give me everything I need to do what you called me to do. So I'm in. And eight years later, and I am just loving, loving what I do. Something I never wanted to do, never thought I'd ever do. I love it. I am so fulfilled in my journey with God. Because I see what he's doing. And, and, I, and I'm so excited just to be a part of it. That's what happens as you just put your faith and your trust in God. All right, then let's go to, let's keep going down. Now look in verse, uh, my eyes are all whatever. (laughs) Somewhere down in there around, I don't know, I think it's 10. It says, Moses pleaded with the Lord again. This is the fourth time. And here's what he says. Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled. So now he's saying, God, okay, 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 fine. All right, so you pick me. And and you say they'll believe me. Okay, and you're going to back me. But I can't even talk right. So I'm supposed to be your messenger to go speak to these people. I can't even talk right. And once again, God listens. God listens. David, remember in scripture in the psalm, David says he pours his complaints to the Lord. Listen, if you're struggling, tell him. He's, he's, not a, he's okay. You can be honest with God. So he was honest with God, and then God says, he said, uh, Moses, let me ask you a question. That, that little part is my translation. He said, Moses, let me ask you a question. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides a person speaks or don't speak, hears or don't hear, sees or don't sees? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. So here's what he's saying. He's like, listen, that whole thing you think you have struggle with, I made it. I created you. 
I created. I can, I can do. I can help you. I'm the one who created you. So there's nothing I'm asking you to do that you cannot do. Because I, 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 I planned on you doing this. And I created you with the ability to do this. There was something about, now look at the scripture. I, I saw this the other day, Acts chapter 7, verse 22. I think I have it in the, yeah. Moses was taught, this is talking about Moses. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptian. And listen to this. He was powerful in both what? So early on, Moses is like, I can't even talk right. Now he's referred to as someone who was powerful in speech and action. So listen, when you think God can't use you because of something that you can't do right, can I just remind you of the kind of people God used in Scripture, the kind of people that were messed up, jacked up, fed up, just messed up? Look at Peter. Peter is awesome. But Peter was a guy who was just, he was just very spontaneous. There was times where he rebuked Jesus. I'm like, Peter, you dummy, what are you doing? He was the one when when there was one time where God actually from heaven said, hey, Peter, be quiet. Listen. Because he was like, we should build an altar here. We should do this. We should. And he was like, shh. Peter, stop talking. But what else about Peter? Of all the people you know, who do you know that's ever walked on water? I can tell you who did. Peter. Who preached the gospel where thousands of people daily were coming to know Jesus? Peter. So just because we have our stuff, just because we have difficulties, and just because we have challenges, and just because we don't always hit the mark every time, I'm telling you, that does not disqualify you from being used by God. It doesn't. We're all growing. We're all on a journey. But it doesn't matter how you see yourself and all that. Because what we do is we tend to look at what we can't do. And we miss the things that God has, has prepared for us to do. And you know what? God can take those things in you that you see as I'm just not able. And it's in those moments that God will do things and you'll look back and think, wow. Because I'll just be honest. In high school... No one, when we, our, my class was so jacked up, we don't even have reunions. All the reunions for all the classes, I'm like, when, when's class of 90 going to have a reunion? Uh, who's supposed to do that? And some of us that were supposed to be 90 were 91, and some of us were supposed to be 89. We were 90, so we were all messed up anyway. We had two senior years, and still, we still can't get it. But you know what? When I've seen people from my past in high school, it's amazing to hear them say, Jinx, what are you doing? I mean, I'm a pastor. Shut up. No, really. I'm like, man, I, I actually am. Are you serious? Yes, I am. Dude, I thought you were going to be in the FBI. Oh, no. I'm doing my own investigation. <laughs> doing my own business. But you know what? I'm just telling you, there's things that no one would see in you. And just because people don't see it, maybe you don't even see it, doesn't mean it's not there. And when we can get past the idea of knowing we have some insecurities, we have some tr struggles sometimes seeing ourselves the way we should, we have to open ourselves up to say, God, I want to see myself as you see me. 
Because you know when God looks at us, you know what he sees? The righteousness of Jesus. He sees, he sees his children who he loves. And, we, and, and for me, I want nothing less. Our vision is about helping to pull out what God has called people to do and empower them in it. People that say, I just, man, I just love missions. Well, let's get you on the mission field. Let's, let's find out what's, God, what's in your heart. What has God put there that you have suppressed for so long because you don't feel qualified? Man, let's, let's, let's let God surface that stuff again. Because there's people that if you let insecurity destroy you, you never fulfill what God's put in your heart. All because you had a bad experience or you just don't see yourself as capable. But that's in the world system. To me, if God's calling you and God put that in you, then he'll use you. And we got to get past some of these excuses of, yeah, but what if? And, and yeah, but then what if they think, you know what? we got to step out of that, and we got to just trust that God knows. Philippians 2.13 says it's God who works in us, and it's, and it's God who works through us. That's how good God is. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So if he has a plan for you, not only will he, and I, I live this. Like I said, I had no desire to plant a church or be a senior pastor. But guess what? God gave me the desire. He changed my heart. And in changing my heart, you know what he gave me after that? The ability and the power to do it. Because all I got to do is lean in on him. And it looked different. And if I judged what I was doing by what everybody else was doing in the church planning world, then, then I would feel like, okay, I'm wrong. But God has different ways that he uses different people. And their way is not wrong and our way is not wrong. What did God say? God told me to let him do it. Because at that time, I was... My value was in what I did. So if I, if I did it and it worked, I would feel more valuable. God was saying, your value's got to be in me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with your value, being just that you're a son of God. And I'm going to build this, and you're going to just watch and see that I'm going to be faithful to you. And you know what? I have been full-time even before we started the church, I was full-time. God has been very faithful to me. Because my thought is, Lord, if no one comes, how's, how's this going to work? God knew. He said, I got you. He's like, I got you, Scott. And, it, and it, man, it helped me. And because of that journey I've been on, there's not a moment. There's not a moment that I get all worked up about... Are we going to make it? I'm just telling you, we are making it. We are blessed. This church is blessed. God has been faithful. That chair you're sitting in is paid for. It's ours. We, we bought all these chairs as a small little church. You know, everything we need, sound equipment. God's just, he's been faithful. And he always is. Let's look at this last one. After that happens, and Moses again pleaded with the Lord, and here's what he says, send somebody else. So he just had all this discussion with God. When it's all said and done, you think it's going to be like, all right, all right, all right, all right. You, I got you. I got you. Let's do this thing. Moses like, you know, after considering everything you're saying, send someone else. I mean, that's kind of how it comes across. You're like, Moses, what are you doing? 
And he starts talking about, you know, just, you know, just God, just send someone else. And it says the Lord became angry with Moses and said, all right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the, the Levite? I know he speaks well and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him, put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak. I will instruct you both in what to do. And then he said this, Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. Um, so, so I wrestled a little bit with this because I thought, you know what? God was, it says God was angry. And I was like, God, you know, I mean, you're a loving God, but you, but you were a little angry. What says, okay, that's a, there's no sin in that, right? Anybody ever been angry? Yeah. It could lead to sin, but it's not sin to be angry as long as it's, you know. That's a whole other message. But anyway, God was angry. And, but I thought, there's something in this for me that I feel like God was calling Moses. And Moses was disqualifying himself in his mind and with all of his excuses. And I think there was something in that that, that God was very frustrated with. But I also think there was a way where God just came in and said, all right. I'll let Aaron come. But can I tell you that I think there was some of that that helped Moses in the sense of, but, but he was very clear to say, listen, Moses is your spokesperson, but you're still, you're still the one that's standing in by, on, on behalf of God. In other words, we're still going to talk, and, and Aaron will be your helper, and he can be your spokesperson. But can I tell you, there was something that he missed, because there was a time, and, and if you're familiar, I won't get into all of it, but there was a time where Aaron made some decisions that weren't good. And, and sometimes if we settle, sometimes we miss out on things. And sometimes there's some difficulties we face because we just, we settled. And we, we, needed, we needed someone else with us. And we needed this. And there's times in my journey, listen, even as a pastor, there's times that I think, man, if I could just, you know, if, God, if you would just have a few other people do what we're doing so I don't feel like such a loner. And I'm hearing all these stories about we blitzed 78 neighborhoods with pamphlets. What did y'all do? Nothing. We, Jesus is building our church. Like you just thought, like, what do I do? Like I'm not doing what everybody's doing. I feel like, you know, and sometimes we can get into this thinking like, well, maybe we can just do a little bit or maybe we can. But can I tell you there was still something? I think there was something of loving and caring that God said, look, you're struggling. Aaron can go. I think there was something good in that, that God was like, look, I'll, I'll let you have a helper, okay? You're nervous, I'll let you. But I do think there was something that Moses missed a little bit that I think God uh, lovingly still helped him. But I do think I learned from this, I was like, Lord, I know there's other things that we can still kind of, it'll still maybe work, but God, I don't want to settle for what you've called me to do. And, I, and, and feel like I have to have other people with me because I'm nervous about. So if I'm going to fail, at least someone else fails with me. Because that's how I grew up. I was in trouble a lot as a kid, but I was never in trouble by myself. Ever. I'm telling you. Even in Bible college. I had an idea, and I would get friends to do it with me. And, and then we all go down. And it wasn't like horrible. You know, we didn't kick out of school. But we just got put in our rooms for a weekend. But... It was, still, it was still things like whenever I got in trouble, I had a group around me. 
because I always felt safer as long as I wasn't the only one going down. And as a freshman in Bible college, when you get in trouble and you always have people around you, people, spiritual people think, he's a leader. So the next year, I'm an RA. Like, I'm in charge. And the president of the school, Dr. Brackett, he's like, listen, you lead people, but not the right way. I need you to lead them the right way. Will you do it? Yes, sir. Okay, congratulations. You're an RA. All right. The whole school laughed when they announced it. They thought it was a joke. But you know what? It was because I would get people around me because it made me feel safer and it made me feel more invincible or gave me more courage. But I want to have my courage to be when God says it, I can step out and be strong and courageous and put my hope in God and say, God, because you call me, that's all I need to be courageous. That's all I need to do it. I don't need to settle for someone else coming in and trying to help me. Because there's going to be times where all next thing you know, Aaron's built this golden calf that people are worshiping. And that was never part of the process. That was never the plan. But it happens when we sometimes want to just be comfortable. Does that make sense? So we got, we got, to, we got to be careful. We got to be careful on how we, how we do that. So here's where we're going to pray today. I think all of us at times fall into those areas. You know, God, who am I? And it's not always about a calling that God's saying, go do this. Sometimes it's about just being who God's called you to be. Just walking as a child of God. Sometimes you have a hard time receiving God's love because you don't think you deserve it based on who you were. You don't realize you're a new creation. Sometimes we think, you know, that we just, God can't use us because we have issues. Or we have things that we're just not, I'm just not as good at that as as so-and-so, or, but I'm telling you, God, God's the one who does the work. And I think for some of us, it's really about surrender. That's all it's about. Surrender everything. God, I belong to you, and whatever you want for me, just how I live my life, how, how I am as a, a dad or a mom or a son or a daughter or a friend, as an employee, as an employer, whatever you want for me, I'm in. You just make that surrender, I promise you, those feelings of insecurity start to go down because the, the, the more you depend on God, the more you see yourself doing those things that you never thought you could do. You had already disqualified yourself. For me, I'm, I'm way more comfortable as a pastor. I still recognize, and I always need to recognize, that none of us are, are all that. We still need to be very humble, but I'm confident in God that I can do whatever he asks me to do. And that I don't have to go in and say, you know, I need to meet with this pastor, but, I mean, I'm younger and I don't really know. They have way more experience than me. Who am I to encourage them? No, I don't do that anymore. I'm like, God, if you want me to reach out to them, I'll do it. Because you're going to be the one to speak to me. You're older than all of us. So you have all the wisdom. If it's coming from you, then it's going to bless them. And it's going to encourage them. So open yourselves up. Surrender and let God, let God be your source of strength. Let God be your security. And when you have those questions, let him answer you. And listen to what he says, because he will guide you. And he will be faithful to you, I promise. 